Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable. Comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Uncomfortable, the podcast. I am your host, Debbie Roach, and in this episode, I talk mental health and entrepreneurship with Jason Van Orden. First, let me tell you a little bit about Jason. Jason helps thought leaders to reach a larger audience with their ideas, create new income streams from their expertise, and build business models that align with their values and goals. As a consultant, trainer, and strategist, he draws from more than 14 years of researching top internet influencers and experimenting with his own personal experience. His experience includes creating multiple successful brands, launching over 60 online courses, teaching more than 10,000 entrepreneurs, generating $6 million in online course sales and 8 million downloads of his podcast. His mission is to help visionaries with impactful ideas to connect with the people they serve best and the problems they can most uniquely solve. Now, as you can imagine, Jason is an incredibly successful entrepreneur, but he's recently opened up about his struggle with anxiety and ADHD. In this episode, he chats about living with both of those mental health disorders and how he copes with them as an entrepreneur on a day-to-day basis. I hope that you get a lot out of our conversation, but as always, there may be some adult content. So when you're listening, it's best to pop on those headphones. Jason, thank you so much for joining me on the Uncomfortable Podcast. I'm very excited to be talking to you. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you, Debbie, for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. Now, this is a topic that's very close to my heart as I'm a bit of an entrepreneur myself and I struggle personally with anxiety. And I know in the past you've opened up about that. But before we get there, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do, your business, your line of work? What kind of entrepreneur are you? Yeah, sure. So I am a consultant that works with thought leaders to help them package up their unique ideas, their message, their brilliance. And I help them come up with strategies for making, turning that into courses, turning that into content that really helps them get their reach out there farther, impact more people with their ideas. And, uh, you know, I, I like to help thought leaders and experts get out of the trading their time for money. I mean, a lot of them might enjoy that, but obviously if you can get it into things like online courses and other workshops and things, you get to help more people without maxing out on how much time and energy you have. So that's what I enjoy doing because I really like helping important ideas reach the people and the populations that they can help most. I think if, uh, you know, more people with great ideas leverage, are able to leverage the internet to reach the right people, we can solve a lot of problems in this world. So that's what I enjoy doing. And I've, I've been online. I've created a, you know, a few different brands for myself. I've taught uh, over 10,000 people how to do this through courses and clients and things like that. Uh, I've been doing this since about 2005. 
and uh, was a podcaster for many years, which is why I love coming on podcasts for 13 yeah, years. I do know, I was just going to say that. You're, I feel like you were kind of one of the original podcast gurus out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, yeah, I was uh, one of the first people talking about podcasting for business. That was one of my first brands that got me a book deal. It got me, uh, you know, talks all over the, the world to, to speak to audiences and things. So that, that's kind of where I, one of the first areas that I really cut my chops in the whole personal branding online, online courses was uh, podcasting. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, we're happy to have you on this, but um, let's get into the topic at hand. Now, at what point in your kind of entrepreneurial journey did you actually realize that you were suffering from mental health issues? Was there a big aha moment or would you, did you think it kind of just came on gradually? So I actually, it was before I would say, yeah, I mean, so I, I was an employee for three years before I had to quit and get out of there um, and, and become an entrepreneur. And it was in that last year of employment. It certainly didn't help that I was not cut out for the corporate world, yet there I was. That was certainly exacerbating things. So it was actually before I became an entrepreneur in that last year of being an employee, that's when I found out. And my, my dad, so I'd been married for a couple of years and he was, my parents were visiting my wife and I, and we at one point, uh, I was having a conversation with my dad and he said, yeah, you know, you might notice, um, thing. he just started talking about mental health stuff because he had struggled with it some, his dad had struggled with it some, some, some of his siblings, like he's basically saying, this is something in our family. So if you start feeling this way or that way or reacting this way or that way, you might want to talk to the doctor about it. And I did find myself, um, again, partly because of the corporate job, but really it was, it was more than that. It was a lot of anxiety where I just get very anxious about uh, my time and things going on. And finally I did go talk to a doctor and got diagnosed. Um, so by the time I became an entrepreneur, which, you know, was kind of officially in about 2004, um, I'd actually already been on medication for anxiety for, for about a year at that time. And, um, Thankfully, things had kind of stabilized. Otherwise, it probably would have been very, very difficult to, or just more difficult than it was, obviously, to make that leap into entrepreneurship, which is mm. not an easy thing, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it comes with plenty of anxiety as it is, whether or not you have a, a, a predisposition for mental health challenges. So um, that was kind of the timeline of, of, of how that happened for me. And then it's just popped up in various ways. You know, it's 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 been a just it's part of my life, and mm. it's popped up at various times since then um, as well. Yeah. Do you find there's any particular situation that tends to kind of trigger? Let's let's go with you know anxiety. Um, is there a specific thing like, for example, when I'm doing bookkeeping, that's usually when <laughs> it triggers for me. I'm curious to know if there's something that triggers it for you. Yeah. Sure. It. Uh, I mean, I, unfortunately, I mean, this is just the way it is, right? Uh, because of, of society and the way that it can really get our self-worth attached to things like how much money we make and, and uh, you know, status and, and how, you know, productivity in terms of like, you know, did you really like sit down and put your, your nose to the grindstone? And, and these are some of the things that I, my anxiety attaches to. So like, for instance, I would found a lot over the years um, it was easy to start catastrophizing about where, you know, the future, future of the business. And, um, you know, sometimes even when things, everything, all the evidence is that things should be going just fine and continue to go fine, that would pop up, but definitely launches. Like when you got a big product launch and you put all this time in 
and then you kind of release the thing out there in the world. And I think any entrepreneur, you know, will tell you that that can be very, uh, you know, a try, a trying time, but I, it, when, when that didn't go well, it, uh, it really could take like just my sense of self and identity to, to a, a bit of a dark place for a yeah. bit. And I'd eventually pull myself out of it, but that, that's one thing that comes to mind. Um, unfortunately is that, yeah, like money and, and, you know, am I, am I doing good work in the world? And so like those launches are just like this, you know, t total like trifecta of, uh, yeah. of stuff that could really make it, uh, hard for me if they didn't, if it didn't go well. So I would get right at, pretty anxious around that. Yeah. I actually, um, remember this has happened to me a couple of times, kind of launching businesses. At first I was a yoga teacher and I used to have this recurring dream of being half naked in a public place. And I had to, I was yeah. somewhere and I had to get to another place and it would happen constantly. And then a few years later, when I launched as a virtual assistant, the same thing happened. And it was obviously just subconscious, you know, <laughs> fear yeah. around being exposed, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I get those, those trends. And it's, it's different for everybody, but I think launches um, are huge. One thing you mentioned that really resonated with me is um, productivity and feeling mm -hmm. the pressure to always have to, you know, to be productive. So especially as an entrepreneur, do you ever find yourself having to, you know, cope with anxiety or even depression when you're trying to get something done or trying to, you know, be successful. And then you start to feel guilty that you're not doing enough. You're not productive enough. And if yeah. that happens, what do you do to kind of cope? <laughs> I wish I had a good answer. <laughs> that happens just about every freaking day. To me. In fact, uh, right before we got on this call, I was kind of dealing with some thoughts around like, Oh, did you get enough done today? And, um, you know, I, I can definitely set these very nebulous, uh, so, so one one of my things, mental health challenges that I deal with, besides the anxiety, I actually ended up, and, and then depression on and off, and this relates to the the, the question is that I found out um, a little over two years ago, I actually have ADHD, and that was the real diagnosis that I should mm -hmm. have got. The reason why I bring that up is that ADHD comes along with something called time blindness, and that's where you can, you know, just the way your brain is wired, it can be very difficult to set, to, to like make reasonable estimates about how long things will or should take. Um, and it's also very easy to have this total magical thinking about, oh, I'm gonna get this, 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 and this, and this done in a very, and just, in a, and, and make these time estimates that are just completely arbitrary. And yet hold, then I end up holding myself to them and get very down on myself, uh, you know, inner critic kind of stuff if I don't kind of meet that initial plan. And, and you know, I think any, with more reasonable <laughs> approach to such things would know that it's like, well, yeah, that's great. You made a plan and then it's uh, flexible and you re react to it throughout the day, changing priorities and sliding things to another day. But like that is where my anxiety can actually really get going and feel like, no, no, no. If I let this slide, everything's going to fall apart. Right. My business is going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's not always that pronounced, but sometimes it is. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. That's another area that now, how do I mitigate that? Um, again, I wish I had some really great um, answers for you. However, uh, a couple of really simple things. Um, and I, I'm not always perfect at these things, but I try to remember, I actually have a reminder on my phone that pops up. And that is that at the end of the day, 
I write down three things that I did well or three wins mm -hmm. um, from the day to, to try to, because when you do have, you know, you know, this mental health challenge that can really change your perspective, it's so easy to, to, to focus on what didn't happen, on the lack, mm -hmm. on what was missing. Um, and you can really rewire and train your brain to see more what went well and what's good and what you're grateful for. And that might sound like, you know, oh, what a, a nice, you know, suggestion, Jason, but there's actual really good research about the fact that like, if you train your brain and on a daily basis, make these lists of gratitude and what went well and wins that um, you can start uh, mitigating that stuff. And then it's, you know, I, I'm always playing, right now I'm reading books on this. I'm always playing around with different self-talk, you know, trying to learn self-compassion. The better I understood my ADHD and how it was really affecting my perception of my productivity, uh, the more I was able to have more self-compassion when things didn't, when things, you know, did take longer. Because one thing that happens with ADHD is you can go into these hyper-focus modes and then something takes much longer than it should. And it's like a rabbit hole you can't pull yourself out of. So like that gave me self-compassion to understand those things by listening to podcasts about ADHD. And then just um, yeah, lots of great techniques out of there. A lot of them are related to like CB, um, CBT therapy, uh, mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral yeah, CBT. Um, so you can cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, lots of thinking models of like training your self-talk. And as I'm saying this all out loud, I'm not you know, coming from a position of like, yeah, I've done this for years and mastered it. Like this is a continuous ongoing thing. And sometimes it slips and sometimes it's doing better than others. But I do notice that when I, uh, you know, use, those are a couple of things that when I do them, it does help improve the, the situation and my outlook and therefore less anxiety. Yeah, that's, that, that's really great. It's great advice. I mean, I always hear the same, write down the things you're grateful for, and you definitely have to get into a pattern of doing those. Um, and I have one of those, uh, the, uh, the, what's her name, Danielle Laporte's uh, yeah. journal thing so it's got those mm -hmm. little prompts which yeah. really helps me I know that's not for everybody but that really helps me too have you ever turned to a professional like a therapist a counselor and have you felt um that going down that route has been you know useful for you yeah I've done that I've done it so many times, actually. Uh, of course, you know, I mentioned already I went to a doctor, the family doctor the mm -hmm. first time. I actually wish I'd gone to more of a, like a psychiatrist or somebody who really specialized, you know, because family doctor, obviously, they've got all these things to keep up on and, and it's, they're going to have a limited knowledge of stuff. Whereas if you go to a nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist, somebody who's really studied the medications and the different, you know, they can give you a better um, guidance. And so, um, I finally figured out about it, the ADHD because I, I had been slipping into, um, you know, just it's like this slow boil of, of a, a kind of a long depression over about a year's period of time. Part of the issue, I think, was just getting older and my body shifting and, you know, your, your hormones over an age like shift and that's going to change your neurology, you know, how your brain works. Mm -hmm. Part of it, I think, was that my medication that I've been taking for at that point more than a dozen years wasn't working as well mm -hmm. as it should, which makes okay. sense. Um, and so uh, I finally went and saw a psychiatrist and that's where, you know, he had me try some new things. And we finally figured out ADHD was an issue and that really helped to figure that out. So, yeah, in that case, it was hugely uh helpful. I wish I'd gone to see him sooner because I feel like that particular year, I kind of, you know, it, it, and I, I get why it's like, it's intimidating to think about looking for help mm -hmm. for help. It's, uh, you know, it, it's sometimes I, I'm the kind of person who can really isolate myself and just kind of suffer in silence and be like, Oh, I can white knuckle it. I'll figure this out. 
um, I, I wish I understood better why I sometimes resist going and getting the help. But when I do, whether that's a therapist, and I've gone to therapists before, I've turned to particular types of ADHD coaches, I've taken group programs about ADHD, um, and uh, yeah, all, all, all these things have helped, even when it helped in some way. And and you know, sometimes I don't always get exactly you know it's easy when you're dealing with all these mental health issues and things are getting you're in a tough spot to to really attach a lot of expectation around oh my gosh maybe this supplement's going to be the thing that finally like makes this so it's not an issue anymore maybe this coach or this therapist if i go to them long enough and um and sometimes it's looking back that you see how all these little things gave you different tools or insights or you you excavated something about yourself um but uh yeah, pretty much for the last, uh, I haven't always been good at getting that help, but after that time, I finally got myself to go see the psychiatrist. Since then, for about the last two and a half years, I've been pretty diligent at kind of just listening to my intuition. And if I have an inkling, it's like, you know what I think would help? Some kind of group that gives me, uh, you know, support and access to other people like me around ADHD. So I went and found one, right? It's like I okay. started listening to myself of what I felt I needed. Tried a couple forms of uh, of therapy. Um, you know, one of them was I, IFS internal family systems, which a good mm. uh, mutual friend of ours uh, is well versed in. Rebecca, yeah, Chandler. who I just uh, interviewed, and her episode is coming up. So that's, that's a good connection right yeah, there for Rebecca. Is wonderful. Yes. And I'm actually, I've actually got some sessions coming up with her too. Um, I mean, we're, we're good friends and, you know, she would never, you know, I wouldn't want my good friend to be my therapist, but she is also a very good coach. And I have uh, asked her if we could arrange to do a couple sessions with her, just as another example of, you know, I, putting something into the mix. So absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's, it's important, everything from professional help to also just knowing who the people are close to you that mm -hmm. you can trust to talk about these things because take yeah. it from somebody who is isolated and not talked about these things at times. And it just gets very lonely and very hard yeah. to, uh, to, to help yourself out of it by yourself. You just can't do it. And that kind of raises a really great point, especially um, in the entrepreneur community. Did you turn to your peers? And if you did, what was the reaction you got from them? Yeah, so it took me a very long time to share this with anybody. In fact, I had a business partner for uh, more than a dozen years. And he never knew that I was on medication and been diagnosed with these things. I just, you know, I had this fear for all those years. It's like, if anybody knows, even my business partner, they're going to question my ability to be effective. They're going to, I know I was just worried about all these judgments. And unfortunately, I, I think that's because there's just a lot of stigmas in, in society, which were, uh, you know, thankfully podcasts and interviews like this help, mm -hmm. you know, uh, help dispel some of those stigmas um but then yeah i mentioned that particular year that had been really tough and it was actually shortly after i saw the psychiatrist and, and um you know, i saw him in fall and then i had a friend who reached out and she put together just kind of you know what's called a mastermind where a group of entrepreneurs get together and discuss their businesses and, and help each other out with insights and so I, um, she had invited me to, she's going to put together a group of about 10 people and we were going to meet in Orlando, Florida and uh, spend two or three days going through our businesses and helping each other. And I showed up at that particular um, outing feeling like, okay, yeah, I, I mean, I'd been really struggling that year and my, my, because of my descent into depression, I had all these false starts of things I'd start and then wouldn't finish. And my, like it was eroding my confidence continually and I was just isolating myself more and more and more. 
Um, and thankfully I had the wherewithal to say yes to go to this. And I, I went to uh, this particular mastermind event thinking, oh, okay, I'll ask these strategic tactical questions about my business and which direction they think I should take it. And maybe that'll give me an insight that'll snap me out of this and, and get me going. Um, thankfully, uh, you know, a mastermind, when it's a good mastermind that's run by somebody who knows what they're doing and invite the right people, you get a group of people who are willing to be very vulnerable with each other. And thankfully that was the case with this group of people. And after, you know, the first, um, you know, day of group discussion and diving into a few individuals' businesses, enough very like vulnerable things, meaning people just getting into like, here are the real issues that they're doing. Sometimes like very personal stuff. A lot of times had nothing to do with their business even. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it had, it, you know, we were taking turns going through each other's businesses and um, I was going to be the next day. And I, I realized after the first day that what I needed to do was set aside all these tactical strategic questions and just share with them what the struggle had been like for me and what I'd been dealing with. And it was scary. I remember going, I'm like, I got to find a beer before <laughs> like it was lunchtime right before my <laughs> session. I'm like, where, I don't, I don't even drink that much, but I was like, where's a Corona? I saw somebody with a Corona. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and I, I started in, uh, you know, sharing these things and the, reaction was first of all that out of that group of 10 people um at least two others maybe three said that they were either on medication or had been in the past and had been diagnosed at times with, with stuff so that was three out of the 10 that you know including myself that were were struggling or had at, at some point um and that was you know just normalized it's like okay a reminder that i'm not the only one i'm not broken i'm not that these things happen um and then just acceptance and compassion and input and it was such a release, you know, if anybody, you know, if you've heard of Brene Brown, if you haven't, you definitely need to check out her stuff. She talks about shame and how shame is basically suffering in silence with these things and shame feeds off of silence. And by not sharing my story of my mental health and what I'd been struggling with, you know, basically my wife was like the only one who knew this, what stuff was going on. Um, it was just making it worse. And my part of my brain that ancient like lizard brain as we call it that like our most evolutionary tells us don't share this stuff because you'll be ostracized from the tribe and ostracization is equivalent to death because you can't survive without the tribe like that is what our yeah. that part of our brain says and i thought i was going to die when i shared that stuff and the fact that i shared it and i did not die and in fact very much got the opposite reaction was just such a huge relief to me this weight lifted um, I remember afterwards going into the bathroom, my room upstairs and just having like this release, like, you know, I, I don't, it had been years that since that I'd ever like cried or let any of that out. And just like, like, just, I could just tell my body was releasing all this stuff because I finally like just shared it. Um, and that was the, the start too of me over the next several months, opening up more and more to like, I got to start talking about this, not only for my own health, but also in the same way that others in that group shared their story for my benefit to normalize it for me. I need to share that with others to normalize it for them and say, look, successful people who have built successful businesses um, and all kinds of people for that matter, but you know, it's talking to entrepreneurs specifically deal with this stuff and they still get by and they still thrive. And yes, it's still hard at times. And it's just that people aren't talking about it enough. So that's what that experience was like for me. 
Yeah, I I actually remember the Facebook post that you had created, and you know it was really long. It was like the whole story that you, you that you just shared there, and seeing that and seeing the reactions from yeah. other people and the comments and the engagement that that created, and it just showed that this is a topic that right. needs more conversation. And I feel like ever since you did that, even here in Vancouver, and I mean I'm so many miles away. You're in New York. I'm in Vancouver. There was right. conversations coming up. Um, events people were having entrepreneurs were having co-working spaces we're yeah. having that conversation and mm. one reason I do this podcast is because I feel like there's always a topic that you know we want to connect on but so we just we don't and and it's not until we actually open up we we realize there's other people who are, who are like-minded or sharing a similar experience who want to talk about it and yeah. I think it's just so important to kind of get you know into the discomfort of that and make it a comfortable thing and I think you actually kind of opened the door for this conversation in my world anyway so I'm really glad that you shared that now as an entrepreneur and I mean I I ask this more sometimes because I feel like I want you to tell me the answers because I need I need (laughs) to know this um when let me tell you all the answers because I yeah no, I don't have one. I'll <laughs> I do know, my best. I wish you did. <laughs> I'm just curious about self-care and what that actually means to you. Because again, that's another big discussion. It doesn't mean that you get to go to the spa. It doesn't mean you get to take a yoga class. Right. Or is it just simply you get to take a day off? What does that mean to you? And how do you make sure that you incorporate that into your life? Yeah. And there's, uh, I mean, that's such a huge topic and there's a lot we could go in there. And I, and I continue to learn about, um, about more about this all the time. And it's, um, so I'm trying to, <laughs> I mean, again, this is one of these things, as I say these things out loud, it's a good reminder for myself. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, stuff about self-care. It's like, for instance, when you, uh, one thing that I've learned is that when I do wake up and have a bad day, because it will happen, like even if, you know, let's say my medications are working well and things have been going you know, well, um, still sometimes you just wake up and, and, you know, depression or anxiety or whatever, or you just I have a really scattered day or whatever. And, and just to realize to not immediately go to like fear and recrimination um, and to find somebody to talk to about it. So that kind of goes back to the support thing. Um, whether it's to have a therapist or a coach or trusted friends. So self-care, that, first of all, that's, that's the one thing is asking myself, where, what kind of support do I need and where can I get it? And listening again to my intuition about that, because I, have, I haven't always been good where, about that. You know, I might have that thought of like, oh, maybe I should go to a psychiatrist. And then it'll be four months later when I finally do. It's like, I don't know why I'm not doing that within days you know, of, of, of when I have those inklings. And I've learned to listen to those inklings more. Um, another thing is, uh, to, you know, having, having just practices that help you and whatever it is that works for you. I mean, I know I said the thing earlier about like having the gratitude list at the end of the day. Um, maybe that's for you. Maybe it's not. I mean, there's good science around that one, but you know, there's so many different practices and like, you'll hear people like, Oh, my morning routine routine is everything. And I've got the perfect morning routine. And it's like, you know what? I don't, I mean, my, I have, I try to have a routine in the morning. It doesn't look anything like most of the entrepreneurs that say they have morning routines, but I do have things. <laughs> practices. Um, and sometimes those, those practices change, but it's, you know, it's knowing, trying different things to see what works for me. Um, and that can be, you know, anything from the, the writing down the three wins, 
um, at the end of the day. I've got practices now around my my schedule and and how I you know checklists and routines there because I know that by having that in place, it's going to keep me from running into some of those time blindness snags that I run into. So like knowing what my tendencies are and then setting up my business, setting up my routine, setting up my life to have tools or habits or just, you know, reminders on my phone or whatever. It's like, okay, how do I make it so that this doesn't have to happen as regularly as it has in the past? How do I make it so that this doesn't, you know, so, so, you know, caring for yourself enough to find the solution that works for you and to try different things out. That would be another thing. Um, and then let's see if I can come up with a good third one. Um, finding, I mean, and then it's just finding small ways to do for yourself all the things that we know we're supposed to be doing. And I'm not just going to sit here and say, you should exercise and you should eat better and you should, because you know what, I've struggled with those things and you should take your supplements or whatever it is. But if I can even find one small way to start doing better at taking care of myself, maybe it's just the seven minute workout. There's apps for that, you know, seven minute workout on your phone. Maybe it's just figuring out, okay, I'm going to figure out a system. So I actually do take my omega-3 oil and my vitamin D oil and my, you know, first thing in the morning, because it's like those little increment, when you take care of yourself in one way like that, then it starts making you want to take care of yourself in other ways. So just whatever this, if exercise feels like too much right now, fine, find something that does feel like you can do it even in a small way. So there's, those are a handful of the kind of the self-care things that uh, pop up. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm kind of the same. I have to make checklists. I'm a checklist person. As you know, I love Asana and um, I use it for life, not just work. And um, I put everything into my checklist so that I'll remember to kind of take my supplements or exercise. But if some days it doesn't, I don't get to it. Right. Then it's it's fine. I try not to beat myself up. Sometimes I do. Yeah. But I try not to. Now, one thing I experienced as an entrepreneur was trying to take time off for vacation mm. and feeling a lot of you know, guilt around that because then I felt like I would be letting clients down because I wouldn't be accessible. And then just financial strain around that because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'd worked for myself. So if I'm not working, I'm not generating income. Mm. Yeah. And I tend to find when I speak to other entrepreneurs, it's, it's a similar story. And then they, you know, burn out, get exhausted, end up with anxiety um, and depression. So how do you navigate that? Are you pretty good at setting boundaries around taking time off or has that been something you've had to learn? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I mean, one, one, one thing that's helped is as I've gotten older, I just don't have the energy to work 14 hours a day like I used to. But that's not a solution for everyone, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it is good to have those delineations around your day. Um, and uh, again, there's, you know, I, I could sit here and rattle off all the things I've heard and been told about how to put those, those delineations around, around your day. But, uh, you know, one thing that I have... Um, reminded myself of like like for let's just take something simple like sleep which we've all here now is like so 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 important right um and i mean that that's a great place to start right there i think when it comes to the boundaries because i think it's so easy whether it's you know oh i'm gonna just sit down and do a few more things here you know before i go to bed and then that revs your brain up and then you don't realize it makes you get to bed later you know so if nothing else like that's a great boundary to start with and what i wanted to bring up there is um, you know, I, I've, I've started making that as just as sacred as, as I can as possible. 
And that's because I started paying attention to when I do get better sleep, um, not uh, how that makes me feel like the next day, like really paying attention because mm -hmm. we can be so disconnected from our bodies and, and how things affect us. But in the same way, you know, if you've ever done like a whole 30 diet and then you start bringing things back in, one of the biggest things is to, you start noticing, oh, that's how that food that I haven't eaten for over 30 days affects me when I put it in my body. And I've never realized it before, right? Yeah. Oh, that's how when I actually get eight hours of sleep consistently, I feel. And the reason why I bring that up is that if you can find those boundaries and then pay attention to how they make you feel now, um, as opposed to like, oh, I'm going to, it's really hard to motivate ourselves for the future, right? It's like, oh yeah, I hear I should sleep because I'm going to not die as soon or something. It's like, you know what, our brains just don't motivate well over like something so far in the future. But you know, if I, so things like sleep or just realizing, hey, when I do actually give myself a weekend, how do I feel different on, on Monday? And when I do make clean boundaries in, in the evening and decide, yeah, I'm not going to, once I'm with my kids or once I'm home or once, um, and, and here's one more boundary and then I'll, I'll stop rambling on this topic. And that is to, um, if you need to have really clean uh, place boundaries, meaning, okay, don't, don't work. It, you know, it might be better for you not to work at a desk in your bedroom, which is your resting space. Or if you need to like have an office away from home so that then, because as entrepreneurs, we can work at home, you know, without our pants on if we want, right? Oh yeah. But maybe you need to <laughs> like make that boundary of, okay, when I am working, I have an office or I go to a co-working place or I, you know, and then when I'm at home, it's not that, you know, now it's not time to work. So there's there's a few i feel like i just i kind of bounced around but hopefully there's a few ideas in there for people when it comes to um yeah when it comes to bring about those boundaries around your your energy and your yeah i i mean i think you've spoke to something that really affected me um was like working from home i just wouldn't stop so i would get up at eight in the morning and i would start working and i would work till eight or ten at night and it was just i was used to it and my home became my workplace and then it wasn't really the place that I was sharing with my partner because he was on one computer one side of the living room and I on the other at the other end and we were just yeah. you know not really communicating and it wasn't until I kind of gave up my virtual assistant business and I decided I wanted to be back in a workplace because I just felt um, not just the constant work but I started to get really lonely Mm. And I miss the connection with people. And I realize I'm actually a bit more of an extrovert and I need, you know, just to be around a team. And mm. I really miss that. And that actually kind of caused, I think, a lot of depression while I was mm. working yeah. from home. Um, so that connection was important. But I mean, it's great. Even if you are, you know, as a solopreneur, there's co-working spaces, you know, as you say that you can go to and, and groups yeah. that you can, you can meet up with and do stuff about that. But I just felt I really needed to be in a team environment. I really missed that. So I think, yeah, you brought up a really important point. You have to think about that boundary of like that space that you're working in and how. Yeah, and, and, no, and yeah, even beyond like preserving your, your energy and your boundaries around time. Mm -hmm. It's like knowing how different environments affect you. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I learned that sometimes when I'm being creative and writing, I need to be for whatever reason in a cafe and I'm, I'm not an extrovert. So I don't like want to be around people to socialize with them, mm -hmm. but 
my brain, you know, activates in a different way when I'm in an environment like a cafe where other people have their laptops out and are seemingly doing interesting things as well, right? So it's like paying attention to how you react to different environments. And it's different for everyone. So just because somebody says, oh yeah, you got to go to a co-working because that's the only thing that's ever worked for me. It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. And and maybe you're listening to this and you're just fine working at a desk at home and and you're able to draw those boundaries. But but yeah, be aware of how how different uh, environments affect your energy. That's, that's actually been a big thing for me over the last two mm. or three years. Cause I used to be very just checked out to how different environments affected my, my mental health and therefore my productivity, my creativity, my, and so mm. forth. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really great point. Now, one thing, um, I wanted to ask, cause I, I generally ask this in every podcast is why do you think this is still an uncomfortable conversation for people to have, like especially around, and not just entrepreneurs, but mental health in general and kind of mm. success, maybe whether it's succeeding in a business or climbing up the corporate ladder, wherever you are, kind of admitting that you are suffering is still difficult for people. Why do you think that's the case and what can we do about it to make it yeah. a more comfortable conversation? Yeah. So I, you know, the, the first thing is it just needs to be normalized. I mean, it's like anything where if we just haven't been exposed to it enough or understand it enough, that's where just the stigmas then rise to the top and the stereotypes about like, Oh, you go to a therapist. Oh, does that mean you're crazy? Does that mean you're right? And, and, you know, but something you take something like say diabetes with somebody has, and you know, that means that they've got to use insulin and have certain kinds of care to like keep alive. Like, you know, that's, that's a lot more normalized because we hear about it a lot more. And, um, but the truth of the matter is there, you know, like the statistics show that in our modern society, there are a lot of people who at different times, I mean, every, there's a lot of people who at some point in their life are going to deal with it themselves. And no matter what you're either, if it's not with yourself, somebody, you know, you know, whether you realize it or not is going to be dealing with it. So it's just normalizing, realizing, okay, this is part of the everyday experience and you know this it needs to be seen and talked about more um i think then the other thing is kind of what i said um earlier is that we we kind of suffer in silence about it because we're afraid of of the judgment and things and so but you know if we the, the more that we're willing you know people are willing to be brave and say because here's the thing is like vulnerability is is contagious like mm-hmm. when somebody else shares with you their struggle it makes you want to you know at the very least you know support them and or and possibly even you know trust them with your own struggles and things too right um so misunderstandings uh, stigmas we need to normalize it and um and unfortunately just the medical system's not set up great to support it very well you know, yeah. there's, uh, we, it needs to be better supported by insurance and maybe just better supported. I don't know what that's going, going to take. So part of it is just our medical establishment. And I know you're in, in Canada, so it's different. I'm talking from the United States. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what, what it's like up in Canada, but I think, you know, it's not, and maybe because of some of those stigmas, like the, the medical establishment doesn't even talk about it enough so it's like it's mostly just an awareness thing realizing look this is more common than you realize it doesn't mean that you're you know nutso or dangerous or broken or you know can't be trusted or whatever like no this is just it's something and uh that people deal with and like diabetes there are ways to help it and treat it and mitigate it and somebody's gonna have diabetes for the rest of life and some people are gonna mm-hmm. struggle with depression and anxiety the rest of their life but it doesn't mean that we can't support them in in getting what they need 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, conversation, I think, is one of the strongest thing. Now, you did talk about Brenny Brown, big fan. I'm, uh, I'm listening to Daring to Lead right now and, and loving it. Um, so that's a big, huge resource. What other resources do you turn to? You mentioned that you do listen to some podcasts. I'd love to know the names if you remember. And is there any other books or people that you tune into who are you know, thought leaders in this world that kind of inspire you and help you find tools and coping mechanisms yeah um so yeah for if adhd is something you either think you might uh have or that you have been diagnosed with whether you're an entrepreneur or not uh adhd rewired is a fantastic podcast with just lots of real experiences people sharing their experiences and it just that that was incredibly normalizing for me and I found so much more self-compassion just listening to um, you know, other people's stories of, of dealing with ADHD. So that's, that's a great one. Um, there's a podcast about anxiety called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast that I found very helpful. Um, she's, you know, it's, it, you can tell like she very much makes, produces the podcast to be you know, soothing and not jarring. No. <laughs> but also the information <laughs> is just really solid. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that, that's one that I would recommend checking out. Um, you know, internal family systems, that was a kind of therapy that I found very insightful. Um, there were some frustrations I ran into at a time, like I said, our, our good friend, that's what she uses in a lot of her coaching and practice. I still think it's a, it's a fantastic modality and I still turn to it regularly. Um, and the book, I'm trying to remember the name of the book there. It's, it's escaping me, but internal family systems it's a weird it's a weird name for this modality of, of therapy and we don't get it need to get into why it's called that but yeah. there are books about that if you um google that and just start looking around i've i've found that in, you know workbooks and things like that that i found very helpful um and then right now i'm going through you know um what we mentioned Bernie brown um right now i'm going through a, a book again, called uh, complex PTSD. And that might seem like a strange one to mention, but we think of PTSD as like something that, you know, veterans and uh, sexual abuse survivors and things like that uh, deal with. And that's certainly where we first started understanding trauma. But the truth is, especially with our modern society or just because of our families of origin or parents or whatever, like we all have these bits of trauma mm-hmm. that we're carrying around. And our bodies and it actually is a huge part of the mental health challenges we have and this complex PTSD book really helped me um, start better understanding that and coming up with some practices to um, start start healing that that stuff so um, that's another one to look at and then Kristen Neff has a great book about self-compassion I think it might just be called Um, self-compassion or you know you can go find interviews any interview with Kristen Neff or with uh, uh, Brene Brown is going to be fantastic to listen to. So there's a bunch of resources that I've found helpful. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I can always post them in the show notes. If you, you know, think of any books you've used, feel free to send them to me Mm -hmm. and I'll be happy to kind of share a link so that people can check those resources out and see if they'll work for them. Um, So that's great. Thank you for sharing. This has been amazing. Any last words or thoughts on this topic before we wrap up? Well, you know, it just that if you are listening to this and resonating and you deal with any kind of mental health struggles or wonder if you've got anxiety or depression or ADHD or any of these things, first of all, it's like you're definitely not alone. There is support out there. The first step is just find somebody to talk to. And that can be 
a close friend, a family member you trust. It can be a therapist. It can be a coach. It can be, you know, there are even, they're even like free. And, and, and if you look around, you definitely can find group support, uh, uh, things that are, are inexpensive to go to, but that, you know, just go ask yourself that question. Like, what kind of support do I feel like I need right now? And how could I go find that support? Like do that for yourself. Cause you definitely deserve to have support in this. Mm-hmm, no, just go see a professional and get diagnosed, get yeah. checked out if you think, you know, cause they can help you just, you know, it's, it's worth the conversation at least. Definitely. It totally, you know, ditto that. And there is now actually a resources page on the uncomfortable.blog website for people. And we have had a few conversations around mental health prior to this. Um, so feel free to go to the resources page and there is a section there with some links to websites. And I'll add everything that you've kind of mentioned today as well, Jason, so that, you know, listeners have somewhere to go if they have listened to this and they can check out those resources. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. It's always great to talk to you and I'll make sure to um, share your website and your information and our, uh, again, in our show notes, if there's anything you want to share, please send it my way. But again, thank you. This has been amazing. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Now remember to check out Jason's work over on his website, jasonvanorden.com and you can follow Jason on social media. He's on Facebook at Jason W. Van Orden and Twitter and Instagram at Jason VO. And of course, I will post all those links in the show notes. As always, I'd love to know what you thought of our conversation. Head over to the comment section on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. You can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small couple dollars a month so that we can keep on running. Visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate for more information. Thank you again for listening. Now make sure to get out there and get uncomfortable. Uncomfortable.